Welcome to With That Being Said, a podcast on life, love, and everything in between. I'm so glad you've decided to join the conversation. Hi, I'm Esther Boykin. And I'm Erica Turner. And with that being said, Jay-Z is making therapist porn. Yes. Just for (laughs) us. Who knew? I know. We love it. It's the best thing ever. It Um, is. He knows how to get a rise out of therapists. I feel like we could just do like double entendres for like 10 minutes. Yes. more about um the footnotes from his video so if you don't have title you i'm sure you can find this on youtube or whatever but for all of the songs there are footnotes which for all of us academic researchy nerds you you know yeah the footnotes kind of like give you the backstory um and so i think these are pretty cool yeah so i love this video I've watched yes. it, like, I mean, it's, like, 11 minutes or 10 minutes or whatever it is, but, like, this whole footnotes for, for like, this whole conversation among men is, I think, men and women everywhere need to be watching this. Yeah, it's kind of like a therapist wet dream. Like, it's pretty, pretty much, That's like, pretty much it. This why is, do we get up in the morning? Yeah, just to have, like, <laughs> genuine like meaningful conversations yes. about relationships and emotions yes. and our commitments to people. Like that's like, that is actually much what we description. get down yeah. for. Like, <laughs> literally, like, I think, I think Jay-Z made this as a gift to all of the couple and family therapists out there in the Thanks, world. Jay. Thanks, Thanks. Jay. <laughs> no, it is just, I mean, there's such a, there's so much honesty in it. Yeah. Um, even more than, I mean, I think that there was a lot of kind of like wisdom, little nuggets and things like that for people to take away. But I think that's the piece that kind of struck me most mm-hmm. was some of the harder stuff to hear, honestly. And right. like where these men are being really, really vulnerable yeah. about like what it actually feels like and what they really think about and how hard it is. And, you know, right. and that piece. And I talked to so many women who were like, I actually, someone tweeted me recently. I don't know. I had tweeted an article or something about like sort of men wanting that men really do want emotional depth to their relationships. And some, a woman like tweeted back to me and was kind of like, yeah, but how do you get them to, to do that? How do you get them to talk about that? And, you know, I had maybe the best and worst answer, which was like, you just create space for it. I mean, literally that's kind of all Jay-Z just did was he created a space for it and then just being patient Mm -hmm. and then being able to tolerate what you hear. Right. I mean, he basically invited people to participate and then, I mean, I don't know exactly how it went down, but clearly he structured it in such a way or with people who he felt would be comfortable and create an environment where they Mm -hmm. could be comfortable. And I don't know what they said to people. Um, Obviously, they had to have known that this was going to be public public at some point. Mm -hmm. Um, But he created a space for that. And so, you know, that is... It it sounds super therapisty, but it is the truth. That is the yeah. only way that these conversations happen. I did want to say, I want to talk about that a little bit in terms of, I feel like a lot of times, you know, with the work that we do, we get female partners who are like, I want you to be more open. I want you to be more emotionally available. But I don't think we talk as much because of, we're not meeting with these people typically mm-hmm. about like, I do think there is sometimes pushback for women from women 
when men try to be emotionally vulnerable. Absolutely. And I don't think that it's not in our face because those are not typically the kind of clients who come to couples therapy. Right. It's not typically the one who's like, I want you to be the silent, strong yes. type yeah. and never cry or be emotional. Like that's just not typically our female no. partner client. But even typically, typically, <laughs> but even among the women who say that, you know, you know, who I don't want a strong silent type. I want him to be more emotionally available and more vulnerable. I think there is oftentimes this unconscious, I think Brene Brown talks a little bit about it in her work, like this unconscious pushback mm-hmm. when men try to be open because right. I think partly because sometimes that means hearing things that we don't want to hear. I mean, they talk about it too. Like this idea of like part, sometimes the, the fear around honesty isn't just about what you need to be honest about. It's about like, oh, I'm going to get honest feedback. Right. And that that might be really uncomfortable, but also that we do have these men and women carry around the same ingrained stereotypes about what it means to be a man. And so particularly if you're talking about men who are successful or powerful, you know, and really Mm -hmm. kind of embody sort of traditional masculine roles, Mm -hmm. a lot of times we don't know what to do with that when they are, when they soften and they share that, you know, I think about, I think about Jesse Williams in the video where he starts talking about like, you know, like, this is like my life. Like this is a person that like I loved mm-hmm. and I get, you know, I'm, I don't know the ins and outs of the relationship, but I get sort of the feeling of just because it looks one way, right. It looks like I don't care and I've moved on and I've, you know, whatever, like, which is kind of stereotypical, like what it's supposed to look like with a man, right? Like you know, met this really cute girl and I've moved on. Right. Where it's like, no, there's actually this deep undercurrent of like emotion. Right. But what happens when you try to share that? Exactly. Yeah. That there's this pushback from, because he was talking about like the, the think, the think pieces, pieces, which I mean, which I remember seeing those things. I pieces do. When all of that sort of uh, quote unquote drama happened. Um, yeah. And so, but it's like, it, we don't know these people. Like we don't know them yeah. at all. Right. So yeah, you can write all the think pieces you want, but you don't know these people. You have no idea about these people. Because <laughs> I do remember, you know, as a couples therapist going, yeah, I've seen a lot of people who have either cheated or quickly moved into another relationship after, mm-hmm. you know, the breakup of, you know, their marriage or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it's rarely that relationship has anything to do with why what? their marriage fell apart. Like exactly. it was, it already had fallen apart or it was falling apart. And, and this just sort of is either an outlet for kind of soothing exactly. the painful feelings that they don't want to process it at this point or, you know, whatever, or it's a distraction, but like, it's few and far between that, like, this is what happens. Like, well, and even if it was like, even if he did cheat on his wife with this woman and I don't, I don't yeah. even remember. I don't really remember the, the details, either. the details that we knew in the media even. So, but even if it was that he cheated on her with this woman, like cheating is a symptom. Yeah. And we talk about that. Like cheating is not the cause of marriage problems. Cheating is the symptom of marriage yes. problems. Yeah. And so to me, whenever I see someone has been unfaithful, like, I don't know all the the details and maybe they are just a terrible person. That's always possible. But most of the time it's because there's something happening in their relationship that they're not dealing with, or there's something happening in themselves that they're not dealing with. And so they end up having a relationship with somebody else. Yeah. And I think that brings up an interesting point that um, you brought up right before we started recording about (laughs) how... It's funny because cheating is like 
adultery is sort of peppered through this video, but never said. Yeah. Like, never actually never. said. Which, I mean, I don't know about you. Like, it's one of the first things I do when I have, because, I mean, it happens in that on that individual level too. Like, couples come in and it's sort of like, well, you know, it was an incident or there was this mm-hmm. indiscretion. And I'm always like... So when you cheated on your wife, (laughs) when he cheated on, you know, or when you were unfaithful to him, like we have to name what's happening. And so it it definitely stood out to Mm -hmm. me that it was like, this is what we're talking about. But we're even in these deeply honest conversations, we're still afraid to like say the words and kind of call some of this stuff out. And right. And what does that and what does that mean? Because I think it's on one hand, there is. I'm sure for the individuals, a shame yeah. about it um, and, and not wanting to talk publicly about it or not just publicly, but at all. <laughs> um, but then I also wonder sometimes with that stuff too, there's a protective, there's an element where they might feel like they're being protective. Like, yeah, I'm being protective of my partner by not saying that I cheated on them or not yeah. saying that I was unfaithful to them, which I get. I mean, I get yeah. that and that makes sense. Yeah. No, I definitely, I get that sort of intention. And at the same time, it sort of highlights for me, like that there's sort of like shame to like go around and it's not shame for everybody that because oftentimes the partner who was cheated on has their own sense of shame. Right. Especially if they decided to stay. Right. And really work it out. Like that, that is, um, which I think is sort of in a more modern dynamic. Right. That is very interesting. Like that there you would get, be a sense of shame and humiliation because you made stay. the decision to say and not stay and pretend it didn't happen, but like stay, mm-hmm. you know, like Jay-Z sort of ex- talking about like reworking a relationship, like, Mm-hmm. That takes tremendous courage to say, I still think there's something here right. worth trying to salvage. And we're going to both like really work at this. Right. Yeah. It is odd because it, it used to be you were kind of expected to stay or mm-hmm. like. We just know. don't talk about it. Shh. <laughs> right. It didn't happen. Yeah. Everything's fine now. But now it's like, no, you're supposed to be all, you know, Stella. And right. Yeah. Like <laughs> not run away. I shouldn't say run away. But, no. And but, obviously there are plenty of times where leaving a relationship where somebody has been unfaithful is totally appropriate, but that doesn't necessarily mean that's always the way to go or that's the right thing to do is to leave. And I think that idea that it is so, that it's so cut and dry, that it's so, that it's so binary. It's so like staying is the right thing. Leaving is the right thing. Like the truth of the matter is that there's so many factors to consider that really you just have to allow yourself the space to kind of like think it through and work it out and have conversation and kind of evolve to what is the right decision for each of you. Right. As opposed to kind of this outside pressure about what other people think you should be doing. Right. When I wanted to come back to what Jay-Z said at the beginning and you had just sort of alluded to about how hard it is Mm -hmm. to work through relationship issues. And I just found it, what's the word? I'm going to use interesting for lack of a better word, but I found it interesting, just the whole conversation about he didn't know how to do relationships. Mm -hmm. And then of course the dude's talking about advice that they had gotten from older (laughs) guys. That apparently if you just take a girl to four different restaurants. Yeah. Well, and don't forget, you got to knock somebody out of that somewhere in that evening. Clearly. And then she's yours forever. <laughs> you were just, that's it. 
Yeah. So we're going to be married forever now. Um, don't do that. Don't ever do that. Don't ever do that. <laughs> don't even take them to four different restaurants. Like maybe two. Maybe two. Maybe two. Maybe depending two. on you get drinks somewhere and then you eat a meal like, somewhere yeah. else. Like sure. Or get dessert somewhere special. I yeah. don't know. But definitely don't do either of those things. Um, with the knocking out or the yeah. restaurants. If she's impressed, she's probably not the one. <laughs> <laughs> but maybe she is. I don't know. Right. Or this is a good, or this you guys is, are a match. You guys are I don't know. all on the same page. Um, I guess don't do it to impress her. Do it because it's your jam. Yeah. And you want somebody who is into that. <laughs> Who's into that. Then, then do it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, I think that that whole idea of they don't, they were saying they didn't know how to love someone. It's like he said, when I met my father, I thought that he, I'd be able to love people now, mm-hmm. which was heartbreaking and interesting in and of itself. But yeah. also that piece of like, I don't know how to do that. Yeah. And I think that we, on some of we, we expect that people will know how to do that. Yes. But there is this like inherent, this idea that it's like, instinct. And I think there is an emotional sort of feeling like a connection to other people that is in fact, very like chemically based and like, yeah, you know, deeply instinctual, like that this connection happens, but like to love somebody in like, you know, not to be cheesy, but like in the verb sense of the word, but like to actively love somebody so that you can sustain a relationship. Like there's a skill set. And I love that he sort of, that he was able to tie it to like, oh, I met my father. And then, you know, and like, there's obviously more there, but I think that's sort of representative too of this idea that like, oh, for people who've even begun to think about it, it's sort of like, oh, if I just heal this one thing, or if I just get over this last breakup, or if I just understood this, or I felt better about my body or whatever the story is, then now I'm ready for love. Right. And therefore I know how to do this. Right. Like everything should be fine now. And I don't understand why it's not working. Yeah. No. No. That's not how that works. And especially, it, it's especially not how it works when they were sort of talking about like some of the childhoods and some of the issues they saw growing up and not having mm-hmm. like parents together who were working through their relationship stuff in front of them. So not having that model to even have an awareness to like yeah. have an awareness that you even push back against. If you, if you don't see it at all, then you don't have any sort of yeah. frame of reference. I mean, I think it's, it's pretty easy to know that, you know, you don't hit somebody or that you don't, um, that you don't cheat on them. Yeah. But particularly with not cheating on someone, like how do you get your needs met appropriately within the relationship and set yourself up so that you don't do that shit? Yeah. Like, right. <laughs> right. Like, like it's not just yeah. not screwing somebody <laughs> else. Right. Like it's not sort of this random character flaw. I mean, it's, it's sort of like, you know, I shouldn't eat chocolate cake for breakfast, but there's only chocolate cake in my kitchen. Right. Well, every morning I'm going to get up hungry sooner or later. That's like that's one day. Right. Like I am, you're setting yourself up for the thing that you're saying you don't want to be able to do. And I think that's exactly. a, yeah, the model is important. It also made me think, um, Michael B. Jordan, like, it's like breaking my heart on this video. <laughs> He's so sad. He's so sad. And we already know that, you know, I love Michael B. Jordan. I know. And then he's sad. Maybe oh. a little bit of a crush on Michael B. Jordan. <laughs> Not me. I think he's too young for me. He's too young. <laughs> okay. 
No, he's too baby face. He's too baby face. You know I don't like baby face. I know. I enjoy a good baby face. So that, however, is neither here nor there. But, you know, I mean, he's sort of talking about like that fear of ending up alone, which really was not so much about like feeling like I don't have a model and I don't understand what it would be like to be in a loving relationship. Like, so it's not just the absence of Mm -hmm. seeing other people do it, but even just kind of. Sometimes I think it's the absence of just the conversation of the like, but how did we do it? And how right. are other people doing this? And what does it take from you as an individual? And what kind of things do you need to look for in a partner right. to do this? Because it is work and it is about like kind of coming with somebody and figuring out like, how do we do this together? And what are the steps and the skills and the, right. All of that. Right. And if you're getting advice from people who are telling you to like punch a dude out, punch a dude out on right, to at the end of your date, date like, <laughs> oof, yeesh, that's yeah. not a solid skill set to, to build no. a relationship with. <laughs> yeah. It's, that's not going to help you. And even if you're like, okay, that's wrong. Like, that's wrong. Now what? What do right, I do like, instead? Yeah. Like, what do I, what's the <laughs> other option? Like, that's the alternative. Like, you're just sort of like, throwing things at a wall hoping that something sticks and like some of it does and I think in some ways that's you know JC sort of used the analogy of like sort of building this big mansion but it's and it wasn't like everything you built it on was a lie a lie yeah. or un you know unusable it's just right. that but there were pieces of it that weren't gonna work right from the beginning right and I think that that happens for a lot of men it's like it's the intentions mostly are good right and I'm doing some things that are helpful to a relationship, but there's all these things I don't know. Mm-hmm. And then there's these other things that somebody else has, you know, either shown me or I've picked up or I, in my head, it seems like the it right thing to do. And it creates sort of this very unstable foundation for whatever they build next in terms of the relationship. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. When I don't think we, certainly this, this might be a topic for another podcast, but I, I think it's, it's hard from it's hard to sort of understand that if you haven't had healthy relationships growing up, like seeing that, experiencing that for whatever reason, and there are a myriad of reasons that people don't have healthy relationships Mm -hmm. as kids, um, then good relationships can feel wrong to you. They can feel off to you and they can feel like they're not what they're supposed to be. And even if it's some, some level or some rational part of you thinks like, well, this is good. Like this is a good relationship. If it doesn't feel right to you and you're not sort of actively pushing against the fact, like it doesn't feel right to me because you know, everything I've had beforehand was crap. Right. And that's, that feels no reason to me. Like if you're not actively pushing and working against that, then you're either going to bounce from relationship or you're going to make mistake from mistake because the good thing doesn't feel good to you. Um, yeah. No, I think that's such an important point because, yeah, I think people, we don't, we're not aware of that experience. Mm-hmm. So you start to feel like what people, what your partner expects of you is somehow unreasonable or mm-hmm. like, and not having enough awareness to question that feeling and kind of go like, mm-hmm. why is this, why does this feel weird and icky to me? Yeah. Because it seems like it should be good. Right. But it's kind of like, I guess the, the analogy that comes to mind is like, it's kind of like if you don't like, uh, I'm trying to think of a vegetable I don't like, celery. I don't particularly <laughs> like celery. It's like, I don't know. Is celery that good for you? I don't know. But it's like if you, it's like a healthy food that you don't like. Like yeah. you, 
know on some level it's healthy for you, but that doesn't mean it tastes good. Like yeah. you, until you've sort of had some practice and you eat that celery. Yeah. I don't even know if celery is unhealthy for you. <laughs> Whatever it is, <laughs> until you're used to eating it, like yeah. it seems weird to you. We think that healthy is going to feel good, and that's not that's necessarily not the case. case. No, like that's not how people are built. But also that it doesn't have to feel like that forever. Exactly. So, and I like the healthy food analogy because it's like, so, I mean, we'll run with celery. I'm like, well, how else do you make celery? Okay, but I like, (laughs) so I don't like celery, but I actually really like celery in my chicken noodle soup. Oh. Or like in like in a stew. Oh, like a little bit of a crunch. Yeah. (laughs) Like, but like, it's got to be cooked just right. And I think that that's, that's really kind of that next level. It's like, I may not initially no i don't really like Mm, this mm -mm. but it's not enough to go but it's good for me so just stick with it right it's to say like so then how do i kind of mold this into something that is both good for me and feels good right right so not running away not throwing it away not cheating on celery with carrots instead (laughs) but like figuring out like what would it take for me like what do i need to understand about celery what do i like Right. What do I need to understand about myself? And that was one of the other comments on the video that I thought was really interesting um, was the idea that like, what does it mean? Somebody said like, you don't really know yourself. Like as a man, you don't know yourself until you get married or until your relationship with a woman. Yeah. And I think for a lot of men that experience, I think for a lot of people that experience is true. There's, there sure. are pieces of ourselves we only know in the context of being connected With to other, other people. people for sure. Um, and certainly, you know, marriage is a very intimate relationship. And so that's important, but there is a piece of like, but if you don't know yourself mm-hmm. until you have connected yourself with this other person, then what? Yeah. Because you're going to find out things you're about flying who blind, you, yeah, you're flying blind when you pick them. You're <laughs> flying blind when you, you build the foundation. Right. And then at some point in the process, you are going to learn things about yourself that you didn't pay attention to before. Exactly. And then having to like renegotiate, well, what does this look like? What does this look like? And what does this mean? And sometimes you find out in that process that, you know, the person that you are cannot, the person that you really are in a healthy way cannot be with this person. Yeah. That, that does happen. I mean, we certainly see that. And Mm -hmm. I don't count that as a loss because that's the process you had to get to to be this person that is now healthy and a more integrated version of yourself. Um, But of course it is painful. Yeah. You know, to to reconcile with that and deal with that. Um, I mean, it's tough in terms of like, if you don't, if you don't know yourself, you're, you're at such a disadvantage. Yes. (laughs) For so many, so, so So very many many things. So many things. Yes. And then the um, learning is even that much more painful. Um, yeah. You know, or never happens or never happens. Is, yeah. Um, Which feels like my, the, my window for like my, you know, obligatory p- plug for therapy. Yeah. Because it's a great process to learn a, yourself. Yeah. Works. It's a great, yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, unless you're really good friends with Jay-Z, in which case hopefully sure. he's having like these kinds of conversations yeah. on a regular basis. Like you guys are getting together. Saloons, you yeah. yeah. I love that idea. Like, mm-hmm. This is what I want my life to look like. I don't, I don't know how you create that. I think you have to be. Uh, Esther, I think that's pretty much what we already do. The therapy is not a dirty word. Happy hours. I didn't mean to plug. Probably. I didn't mean to plug us, but like we're we're already doing that. Oh, we do do that. We already do. We do. I was talking to a friend at a, a party recently and he was like, we were talking about 
I was talking about like being a therapist and he was yeah. asking me how that was going and da da da. He's like, you know, it'd be great. He's like, if therapists, like if you could like talk to therapists and like drink with them and like hang out with them. And it caught me off guard. So I didn't actually respond. And later I was like, wait a minute. You can't. I already do that. <laughs> we do that. That's like a legit thing. It's a legit thing that yeah. we already do. Like, no, really. Therapy is not a dirty word happy hours. Yes. So this feels like very, like a very staged plug it to all of this. Does. But if you have listened to the show, you know, like, this is not our deal. We're not out here, like, no, hawking I mean, our wares. Half the time we don't even remember to say, like, subscribe, subscribe and review and all of that we're stuff. We're doing yeah. an event, whatever. Like, no. We no, we never talk about no, those things. This is totally organic, which now probably people think we're stupid. Right. <laughs> Either way, but we also are doing this very cool thing called Therapy is Not a Dirty Word. And they are exactly what your friend described. It is literally happy hour with therapists and you can like eat and drink and like ask us random questions and hang out um the last one in LA was super fun I had the best time out there yeah and uh yeah I like it because it's also a good excuse for me to go places I like to go so like I was so sad to miss the LA one I know but we'll go back I know we're gonna go back and then Philly you're coming to Philly in October and DC are you gonna come to New York in December do you like how I'm putting you on the spot now I'm like to commit me on mic, <laughs> on the mic, on the podcast that will it's be broadcast. I don't know yet. All right, because my friend is getting married in December. So. Oh, I forgot. Yeah, yeah. I'm going like, very far away. I know. I forgot. We did <laughs> talk about. Don't, we can't talk about this. If we talked about this, she's going to be ticked at me. Yeah. <laughs> so we're not going to discuss. <laughs> yes. Don't try to Google your Erica's so friends. <laughs> Don't worry about what she's doing. Just you just come see me in New York in December. It'll be a lot I of fun. Might, and you know I've never been to New York. Okay. I know every wait. time I tell you, what? you have to go through this whole process again. This isn't the first time I've told you. It literally like every, every time. time is like the first time. Like I'm just like like my heart hurts. <laughs> I need to take deep breaths. Like what? I don't understand the life that you're leading. That I live that I don't and I live in DC and I don't ever just jaunt up to New York yeah like that you've not had a moment where you're like I just need to go like what is this city that these people keep talking about here's my deal about New York this is this is totally the deal it's like it's so it's right there like it's not that far away no it's super easy to get to it's so right there that I'm always like yeah 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 I'll get to it yeah 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 I'll get to it Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll get to it. Like okay. that com- combined with the fact that like it's so massive that like trying to choose any particular activity or thing to do feels overwhelming to me. What? Those two things combined equal me living in DC for nine years and not having been to so New York yet. I'm going to need, I just like, I can't, I don't have the words to discuss because I'm going to say, I guess like, you- I love I love a lot of cities. I love LA. Barcelona is one of my favorite cities. Yeah. I, like there's all a bunch of cities. I love, but New York is like, there's just like a whole energy there. Like I love, so I'm every single listener that lives or loves New York city. Oh my God. I need you to just like, don't do, do not don't listen to Erica. Do not. I'm the boss and around New Yorkers here. are so obsessed with New York. I, I think that's want, also just, part of my pushback. I just want you to send just one place. Like if I take Erica to New York, like I want her to just like, She's overwhelmed by the choices. So we just are going to give her like a list. <laughs> like if you had to pick one thing that she must do in New York City, oh God. what is it? Like tweet, 
leave me Instagram messages, yes. Facebook, send emails, carrier pigeon, whatever you got to do. Like I'm already feeling like anxious now. We're going to put together, <laughs> I mean, we're going to put together a list and then we are actually, we're going to get on the road and we're going to record a podcast in New York <laughs> after we do all 10 things. Like on my dime, I will, I'm taking Erica <laughs> to New York. It's a must. <laughs> I'm going to go home to my husband. Esther said I have to go to New York. She said. <laughs> I said. <laughs> she's my boss and she told me I have to go to this New York. This is it. We have to go. So, yeah, I want, we're going to put together a little top 10 list, like oh what you have to see. But it's so big. Where to it's eat. It's like so much. It's it's not. It's, it's like, ginormous. And it's like so much happening. I don't know. But it's like a giant which like, is funny because I love cities. Yeah. It's, it's I not love, like I'm against cities. No, you I are, love cities. You are a lover I'm of like urban living. Yeah. No, no. And dining and just I everything. I love great food and things to do. But like, it's just too much. It's too many options. Okay. So yeah, we're going to put together and we're going to have a little list and we're going to take you and we're going to eat and drink and see things. <laughs> and then we'll just have an episode all about like, literally, we're going to have an episode early 2018 <laughs> that is basically just like... <laughs> Erica's trip to the big city. <laughs> I feel like a little, like, a little character in, like, one of those kids' books. Yes. Erica goes to the big city. Look at you, like, a tiny backpack. Really adorable. <laughs> I'm sure I can find a cute backpack. Yeah, we can definitely do some. <laughs> Backpacks are, like, so in right now. They are. You're going to be all set. So we're definitely going to be doing that. That's um, hilarious. All right. Uh, all right. We got off topic. We way, did get off topic. Way off topic. I... So... What else do you want? Because I'm now also my head is thinking a little bit about our therapist problem. So what else do we want to talk about in this video other than the fact that we are obsessed and love it and secretly it turns out are hosting events that are very similar. Right. But with secretly therapy to us. Secretly to us. Um, but if Jay-Z wants to stop by, Anytime. we can be invited. Oh yes. God. That would be like... That's I like, want to be in that room so bad. I feel like so I would just lay on the floor and absorb like... Yes. Tell me all of your Tell deep feelings. The things. These are. This is so therapisty right now. Like people. Are it's like, extra. These, these guys are so weird. They're super weird. But this um, is what we love to do. It is totally what we love yeah. to do. Like watching somebody have like a deep, intimate, sometimes painful conversation. Like it's my jam. It really is. It's like everything. It is. Yeah. <laughs> I'm to like. I am thinking about like how selfish I was and how deeply I hurt. Just because of like one random moment, I'm like, yes. It like washes over me like joy. Yes. Like just (laughs) like just sink into that feeling. And then we're gonna like come out of it. And like you it it literally is this experience. And then it's like you can like you can do something different now. Yeah. I think that's what people don't understand. Yeah, no, it's not like you stay there in the in the terribleness. Then it would be awful and I wouldn't want to do that. That's nuts. Yeah, um, it really is about like what comes out on the other side, which I think is what people and in particular, not to pick on the fellas, but I think men in particular struggle with that is like, if I really sink into those feelings, like I, I literally had a man say like, you know, I was like, this is really sad. Like, have you cried about it? Like, you don't have to cry here, but like, yeah, have you cried about, about it? And it's like, I, when I feel the tears coming, I make them stop because I'm like, why? He's like, what if I don't stop crying? And I'm like, hmm. it's not, I was like, it was the saddest thing, yeah. but it was also like this moment to really kind of connect and be like, that's not a thing. That's not a thing. It, Nobody has ever cried endlessly. To like death. Like, right. That's nope. not mm-hmm. how, that's not how this works. Nope. And like, 
And if you gave yourself permission to like sink into the feelings on the other side of it Mm -hmm. is like this whole other level of like awareness and healing. And like, you can totally have this other experience. Right. And I think that's the thing that's, that's so hard to sort of communicate or convey to people who are reluctant to sort of pierce that veil, like go through that sort of Mm -hmm. that curtain essentially is like, it's so much better on the other side. Like Mm -hmm. it's so much better over here. Like I've been on that. I know that. I know that like not so great emotionally connected side. Like I've been there and like, I got to tell people who have, who, who are in that space, like, it's so much better over here. So good out here. It's like, there's like, it's like the rooftop bar in like September and like the air is crisp. (laughs) And we're in DC and they're bringing drinks and like everything is good. Yeah, the DJ's like, good. Everything is perfect. That's, that's how it's like to be like connected to your feelings and able yeah. to express them appropriately and have people in your life that you can be vulnerable with. Like it's so much better on the other side. It's so much better. It is. It is. Yeah. I, I gotta, did. I gotta say. Yeah. I, told, I said but that. But people don't believe this. They don't. I, so <laughs> I, and part of it is like, I, so I told a friend of mine who has kids, I was like, like, it's like childbirth. Mm. Except, you know, in childbirth, you don't have a choice. Like there's a point exactly. at which you're like, this is awful and I can't do this. And I'm never like, make I'm it stop. I'm exactly. never going to do it again. This is like this horrifying kind of like pain or at least I don't know I didn't have an epidural so that was my experience yeah but on the other side is like and it's not just like oh it's this great thing Mm -hmm. that you can compare to other great things in your life it is literally like this transformative moment where you're like everything's different Mm -hmm. and everything's better right at a level that like I could have comprehended like four five minutes ago yeah but here we are right but like the process sucks. Yeah, the process is awful. That shit hurts. It, it hurts. It gets easier though. It does get well, easier. I don't know about labor. I mean, once you get the, the head, emotional. once you get the head out, it's much easier. So even in labor, <laughs> there's a point where it the pain's better. not over, but it's gonna get <laughs> but better. It's gonna get better. Good to know. For yeah. not doing that, um, <laughs> just in case. Fun fact. Just in case I change my mind. Um, <laughs> somebody recently was asking me about having kids and I was like, yeah, I don't think we're doing that. And they were like, oh, well, you know, you, you still might do that. Like, oh, it was Chris. Oh, it was Chris at our office. They were like, oh, well, you know, you could change your mind. I was like, well, I'm 33 and I've been married for nine years. So I think maybe I'm not changing my mind. I think this is kind of it. (laughs) This is it. And he was like, oh, like both at how old I was apparently and also like, like how long I've been married. Right. And it was like, oh, hmm. What? Like oh, so maybe not then. Maybe not. <laughs> it's like I assess the external the extenuating <laughs> factors, factors are wrong. not what I thought they were. Right. Like I thought this was all brand new, but no, it's not. No, okay. No, good. This is brand new. Yeah. Probably been married longer than you have. <laughs> um yeah. So there's that. All right. Do we wanna the only other thing I was sort of tempted to talk about with the the footnotes Mm-hmm. Um, piece was the kids arguing piece. I don't know if we want to get into that really quickly. We could jump well, in and jump out. I was going to say, we could jump in and jump out because I think that we have the exact same perspective. I don't feel like there's a ton to say other than like, this is not a good or bad. Like, it's not a do it or don't do it. It's sort of do it right. Yeah. 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 Like definitely like, I think it's healthy for kids to see Parents argue constructively and parents work through problems. Not, you don't want to invite them in the room, but right. not that it's not a secret. 
that it's happening. Yes. And because I, it's never a secret that it's happening. It's never a secret. First of all, if you think you're, it's a secret, then it's not. It's not. And even in the times that, <laughs> the times where it has been more secretive. So I've, I've, I've worked with and, and had friends with folks who their parents hid a lot of arguing and, mm-hmm. and kind of masked all of it and then got a divorce at some point. Mm-hmm. And it was that much more traumatic because they had no idea what was going on. Yeah. Like, it's not like, well, my parents argue all the time. Their marriage kind of sucks. I kind of, you know, I don't yeah, want this to break sense. up, but I kind of do because it's so bad. Like, yes. it's not any shock when those parents get divorced or it's much less. But yeah. it's like, if you've hidden all of your stuff away, like, it's almost this weird rupture of like, I thought everything was yeah. okay. I'm quite now questioning Maybe. everything. Yeah, like nothing makes sense anymore. Yeah. And really what it ends up happening is your kids are questioning they're not questioning you. I mean, eventually, you know, they kind of get older and they process it differently and are able to see like, oh, it was you who was being secretive. But there is always going to be a core part of them. They think something's wrong with them. That questions like their ability to assess a situation. Yeah. And like the quality of relationships and like the sa- emotional safety of an environment because you showed one thing and never allowed them to see. And again, like you said, like it's not about airing all the dirty laundry and having them in the middle of like clearly inappropriate kinds of conversation, but kids need to have some connection to the barometer of the relationship. And much more importantly, they need to see what it looks like when people who love each other disagree Mm -hmm. and argue, and maybe even say some things that they shouldn't have, and then come back and apologize and problem solve and compromise. Like that, I mean, really that sort of brings us full circle too. I took the words out of my mouth. This is like, <laughs> this is how you learn how to do it. Right. You, if you don't, you can learn it not having seen it. You can certainly learn it afterwards, but if you can learn it in the beginning, that's always optimal. That is optimal. That yes. is always optimal. Yeah. If you can kind of get that up front and that, that doesn't have to be an opaque process to kids yes. and that they're knowing, even if you, let's say the, the marriage has a lot of problems and you, or you can't work it out and you end it. If you've had conversations with your kids, age appropriate all along that are like, mommy and daddy are having a hard time. We're talking through it. We're trying to figure it out and never sort of promising them one thing or the other, one thing or the other, then it's not so much of of a shock. It still hurts and it's still painful, but it doesn't make them sort of question their own experience of reality, which is what the whole hiding and keeping things from them does. Yeah. No, I totally agree. I think that that's a really, I always feel like parents do a disservice to their kids when it's like, oh, we never argue in front of our kids. Like, it's like, oh, yeah. Like that's the kind of thing people say to you at parties and you're just like, oh, I'm, I'm, this is not a space for me to criticize that. Yeah. I'm a therapist. I should walk away. Yeah. This is not a good conversation. Yeah. Yeah. I met somebody several years ago at like, I don't even know where I was, something, some social function. Cause it wasn't like, it wasn't a friend of a friend. I don't remember where I was, but I met somebody and they told me that they would go in the car oh. in the garage and argue. And I just thought that's a little like a paradoxical, <laughs> it's a little Jay Haley type. It is a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Go argue in the laundry room. Yeah. It's a little, yeah. There is a little Jay Haley for all of our therapist friends. <laughs> But I just, I was like, that's, that's not a good idea. That's not a good idea. It's not a good idea. Cause it also then, it seems seems the intention is so good. The intention is good, but the reality is not, not so great. Not great. For your kids. Yeah. It's like, no, no, no. We gotta go. 
Nope. Yeah, you gotta have. That's some our space. public service announcement for the day. Are that you is, in front of your kids? Are sort you sort of, sort of, in a, in a healthy way, constructive. managed constructive way, like, or at the very least, have conversations with them about the fact that you are arguing. Like, they don't necessarily, they don't need to be there, but you can have a conversation with them about, like, you know, we had an argument. Yeah. It's tough. We're trying to figure it out. Like, you can have that conversation with yeah. them always. On whatever is appropriate at their age level. Yeah, because you don't have to go into content. You can, I think you can do that. And I think there's something very respectful too uh, towards your kids and their, and acknowledging their awareness of what's happening in their environment, being able to say like, I know it's been a little bit, I don't know if you've noticed it's been a little bit tense, but you know, we wanted to talk about that a little bit and make sure that you're okay while we sort through whatever's going on with the two of us. Right. Um, Because they know. They know on some level that it's happening. They just don't know what to do with it. Yeah. That's, that's the piece. They don't have anything to do with it unless you give them something to do with it. Right. Um, and some way to orient themselves. Absolutely. I totally agree. So I think speaking of kind of, you know, what do you do with information when you get it? Uh, I'm thinking about our today's re-listen watch. Yes. Which I'm obsessed with. You already know. So Gypsy. Yes. On Netflix. On Netflix. (laughs) (laughs) Let's talk about, yeah, let's talk about Gypsy first. And then I have feelings too about just sort of shows about therapists in general. Right, right, right. Well, and let's not, don't spoil Gypsy too much for me because I've only seen the first two episodes. What have you been doing? Why are you wasting time? (laughs) It's on Netflix. (laughs) Just need you to like dedicate an hour through. Yeah, like eight hours. It's not that bad. (laughs) Just get through it. Um, yeah. So essentially, I don't think it's giving anything away to say essentially the setup is that it is a yeah. therapist who is married, has a kid, learns information from her clients about people in their lives, and then goes and <laughs> essentially stalks those people. Um, so not our clients, but the people she are who are connected to her clients. Yes. She goes and stalks those people. And so this show is interesting. It is interesting. And I want to, <laughs> I will preface the stalk. Like, I mean, there is no other way to describe what she's doing other than stalking. Yeah. And it is both creepy yes. and also mildly like, but I get it. I get like, oh well, yeah. I, there's such a curiosity about like the real life. I mean, I think as a therapist really is sort of any most human beings, we've realized like when people tell us about experiences and like other relationships and other people, like we're just getting one perspective and that's not the whole picture. Right. And so that impulse to be really curious about like, yeah, you're describing them this way, but what are they really like? Right. Like, and that letting that kind of fascination really like take over. Yes. And, and make it and like actually do something about it. Right. Like the most... Most of us, almost all of us, of course, all of us, hopefully all of us, but probably not to (laughs) be fair. Right. Um, Just sort of have to sit with the unknown. Right. And there's this debate about whether or not you should Google your clients, whether or not you should Google people connected to your clients. I don't even know if it's actually a debate. I think the consensus is pretty much you shouldn't. You shouldn't do that. You shouldn't do that. No. Um, basically because you're going to learn information and then not be able to do anything. I mean. Yeah. <laughs> I think that that to me and, you know, and I was, without giving away any, because I'm much further along, I only have, I think I have one episode left to watch. But I think one of the things about the show is it brings up that piece of 
you can't do anything about it. I mean, ethically, like that's not, I can't come into session and be like, so I was scrolling through your Instagram. Right. <laughs> and I'm super concerned. And I'm really concerned. <laughs> I saw this and then this person, you know, like that's, it's in a, 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 I shouldn't be scrolling through your Instagram, but if I see it, like the things that I see there, if you don't choose to bring them to therapy, then my job as therapist is not to bring them up. Like, right. That's, that's not how this relationship works. Right. Um, so there's the overt kind of thing, but then how much can you know about a person or about the people around them without that bleeding in sort of unconsciously into like how you treat them and how you, what your direction is as a therapist. So, right. Yeah. No. So it's super interesting. So I guess we're recommending. I think we're recommending Gypsy. We're recommending Gypsy um, with the caveat that of course, most therapists don't stalk their clients. Right. This is not their clients, family yeah. and friends. Right. And <laughs> this is inappropriate therapy behavior. <laughs> yes. Okay. No one should do this. We're not recommending doing this, just no. to be clear. Right. We are not fan- like in real life, we would not be friends with her as a therapist. No. Well, and here's the other thing. Well, and maybe this- we would, because we wouldn't know she's stalking her <laughs> Well, here's the other thing. And I think it's to the bigger question about like therapist portrayal on TV is She's, I'm not going to say she's a bad therapist. I wouldn't say that, but she's not a great, she does not see the, yeah. you can already see like therapists have a problem publicly calling other <laughs> therapists bad. Yeah. Right. We the, can't even call fictional therapists bad therapists. Yeah, it's, we need it's, to work on that, that maybe. It's hard. It's hard. Um, because therapy is so, such a dynamic process and there are a lot of factors. And if you take a snapshot of any particular therapist in any particular moment, that may not be reflective of the entire process. So you have to be very careful. Like I'm sure if, if somebody took something I said to a client at one moment and they only sort of focused on that moment, I might look like a crazy person because I've said all kinds of things to therapists, (laughs) to clients and other therapists. Um, but I don't think if you look at the full picture of my work, it it would yeah. make sense. Hopefully, usually, no, an an individual statement or or interaction would make sense in the bigger context. So you have to be careful about criticizing other therapists because of that. Yeah, without and I think even beyond the sort of like moment to moment, I think also like for the most part, we think about our clients, we think about cases in a really broad perspective. Like I'm taking a long view. And so the way I interact with one client may have very specific therapeutic goals that are about that person and their personality and where they are in the process that isn't really reflective of my work with a different client or what my work with them would look like six months later or what it looks like in the beginning. So I think there's that. But to your point, she is not... She's cold. She feels cold in, yeah, and you're only on the second episode. So there, there'll be a couple more clients. And <laughs> or maybe so, she will feel less cold. Yes, I don't there's know. like, there's another, yeah, <laughs> like, and another, I think maybe in episode three, you get one more, you get a new client. And then I don't, from an ethical standpoint, she's making bad choices. Well, of course. But well, and there's some moments warmer. where she makes some choices based on continuing to be able to do the stalking. There's at least one moment where yeah. there's she she makes an intervention that it could be for the client's benefit, but it is also definitely so that she, she can, can continue, continue to stalk yes. the right. clients, which is 
just so bad. I can't even problematic. Yeah. There's no even words for that. But I, I think the problem, the problem to me is that she seems cold, but she also is lecturing, which I think mm-hmm. kind of reinforces this problematic idea that what therapists do is just give people advice. Yeah. And that's not a primary. I mean, do we give advice? Sure. But that is not a primary function right. of our work. Yeah. And my whole thing when people, you know, sometimes you'll get parents who'll say, they need to hear the same thing I've said from from you. They just need another person to right. say it, and about their kids, essentially. Right. Yeah, and <laughs> while they're my job, <laughs> there's that. <laughs> and while there may be some truth to that, in, in some degree, really, your kids tell me things because I listen to them and yeah. I ask them questions, and I don't just sort of go in with what I think they should be doing or what I think they should yeah. be saying, which is how I interact with all clients, which is this like. If you're coming to me about a problem, somebody in your life has already lectured you about what to do. Like 90% right. of the time, yeah, you're not- multiple people have already said, Absolutely. you should do this thing. You should do it this way. Like, yeah. I'm not telling you anything new. So I start from the assumption that other people have already said that. And so how do we do this process where you can kind of come come to a conclusion that feels right for you and in your own way and in a genuine way, as opposed to me saying like, girl, you need to leave that man. Right. It's just <laughs> such, it's like super unhelpful. Yeah. I, I will periodically get that. Cause I think I talk a fair amount about, I mean, obviously we were just talking about it earlier this episode about, you know, sort of men and giving men space to that men, you know, both with like men and women, I'm always having this conversation. Like, no men are like, like, no, men don't feel like this and they don't do that. I'm like, we're all just human beings. Like we all have the same sets of emotions. We may have different skill levels and different ways of expressing it. But I get a lot of women who are like, well, how do you get him to t- say that? How do you get him to talk about his feelings? I'm like, right. Mostly space. Like mostly I just sort yeah. of, you know, as a therapist, it's really easy. My job is to create a space where I'm like, I'm curious about how you're feeling and I want you to get curious about it. And so and I'm you, not telling you how you feel. Right. I'm not going to tell you how you feel or how you should feel or what, or even necessarily what to do with those feelings. Right. But like, can we both get curious about it? Because I want to learn more and maybe you don't know. And I think that approach is, I think that's much more of what we do. Right. That people don't really understand. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, I think it's tricky to explain explain what that looks like in some ways yes um and so parents especially to parents who are really eager to fix the problem obviously but it it is that's the only way therapy works yeah like it it doesn't and to me the problem with with gypsy at least in the first two episodes (laughs) granted it's the first two episodes and i'll tell you if it's gonna get better (laughs) (laughs) and um i to me there was there just seemed like there was too much lecturing advising as opposed to actually exploring and listening and listening agree which you know is a slower yeah right maybe not as exciting process Doesn't necessarily to film. make for fantastic tv <laughs> <laughs> but i'm convinced that it could and i think that it does i mean I we actually maybe that we should have an upcoming episode where we just talk about all of the very like all our favorite oh. therapy shows because there's the show The Therapist mm-hmm. on, I think it's on Vice. Oh, I don't know this show. I think it's on Vice. I'll send you the link. All right, so stay tuned. We're going to have an episode where we're just going to talk about all these various shows about therapy and like 
what things ring true and what things are different and like how is it because you're right like if you give people enough space Mm -hmm. it would make for interesting tv we all have really interesting experiences and like but getting to that process and i agree she's super lecturing and just kind of like but just do this differently yeah but to your point there's also moving that storyline along like right if i was stalking all of my clients like friends and family and ex-girlfriends and whatever, like, I would really need to advise them carefully so I could keep talking. If that were my goal. If my goal is about pursuing that rather than helping them, I can understand her approach. Yeah. Um, so, well, least, yes. Well, I was about to say, at least she's not sleeping with him, but I'm only on episode two. <laughs> <laughs> you never know where this show is going to take I don't you. know where it's going. So, who knows? Maybe, lots to learn. Maybe lots to yet learn. to come. But yeah, no, I'm excited now for our episode of Therapist Portrayals. And we could do yeah. like reality TV versus like scripted. Uh, like yeah. there's like entryment. And then there's the one, what's the one with like Dr. Jen? Is that her name? Mm-hmm. Couples therapy and then family therapy, which I actually really like. I don't for, think I've seen family therapy. I will confess to having seen all of them. You're um, adorable. <laughs> this is what I do with my TV watching time. But yeah, I we'll talk much more about this in that episode. But I I will say like I like Dr. Jen. Yeah, Jen man. I think like I like any I like real therapists who are really licensed, who've really spent time with clients and continue to make space right in between projects to continue to work with because if you're not working, if you're not doing the work, I think it is a skill that you lose. Right. Um for sure. For like there's it's kind just of like a, muscle memory. Yeah. You need to be in it. Mhm. Uh, to do it well, yeah. I think. For sure. All right. All so right. everybody go check out Gypsy on Netflix. You're going to love it. And I promise that your therapist is not stalking you. It's just TV. It's just TV. <laughs> like there's there's like a 90, there's virtually no chance, chance. That's, that's not the case. Yeah. Unless there's some weird circumstance where I don't know, you live next door, but then. Yeah. Know, then it's not really stalking. It's not really stalking. You just. Go to the same coffee shop because yeah. you live next door to each other. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this is the whole like small town therapist conundrum, but that's a whole different. That's a whole other. It's episode. a whole different thing. Which and just FYI does not only exist in small towns because I bump into clients like all over the DC area, oh, and DC yeah. is not a small town. Not a small town. No. Yeah. Yeah. It's been a while since I bumped into a client. Like me too. I feel like now that I've said it, I'm going to see somebody probably before the week is over. You've invited. I've invited the- it back in my life. But you're, yeah. <laughs> all right so let's talk about our therapist problem which i'm excited so excited we got an email from a listener i believe yes yep from a listener and i'm not going to read the whole email because it was pretty detailed and has a lot of information mm-hmm. which was awesome we were so happy to get um an email from one of our listeners yeah and it's such a thoughtful email like, yes very yeah. thoughtful and very like um I was going to say well thought out, which is just a repetition of thoughtful. So I won't do that. (laughs) But it was a great email. Yes. It was very, you know what? It was detailed. It was, it gave, I felt like it gave us a lot of information, although we're not going to read all of it. Yes. But yeah. So I'm going to read parts of the email and then we're going to respond to um, at least at least the very end for sure we're yeah, going to talk about a, and I think then it's a really important question talk about the kind of the difficulty in responding to the other parts of it probably <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> all right so 
The email starts out by saying, I'm not a therapist, but I do have a question about navigating my romantic relationship. We both go to therapy individually to process and heal from childhood trauma. Um, My trauma comes from being the child of an addict and my partner's trauma is from a physically and emotionally abusive upbringing. I think it's great that they're going to therapy to work on their trauma. That's awesome. That is awesome. And we started going to therapy because our responses to perceived or real negative interactions tend to trigger each other's trauma responses and we spiral into extremely unhealthy behavior. So it's good that they have recognition of that and sought help for it. Um, recognition of their process as a couple, yeah. which the, is I mean, always the self-awareness great. Self-awareness piece in here is like amazing to me. Yeah, there's a very high level um, of self-reflection and understanding. Mm-hmm. And so I'm skipping forward a little bit here. Unfortunately, my partner still sees my setting boundaries as insults or me pulling away. Um, they are constantly complaining that they believe I have one foot out the door and ask me if I love, still love them, or if everything is okay. Um, And then she says that part of her therapy has been understanding that she can't manage or fix other people's problems, which is a really good thing to to learn and work on in therapy. Mm -hmm. And then towards the end of the email, she says, I realize that I have not had healthy romantic or personal relationships with other adults, and I'm in the process of learning how to do that. But when do I say enough is enough? How long am I supposed to give my partner and their therapist and myself to course correct. And then she says she really likes our podcast. Yay. So. Yay. We really like your email. We do really like your email. All right. That's a good. So before I forget, because I really, I this is a good question. I know we both have a lot of thoughts about that. I will recommend one book, possibly for her, for her and for her partner, um, that I just finished called Attached. Oh, I'll put it in the show notes, but it does. It sounds like maybe there's also a little bit of adult attachment stuff going on. Sure. And that sort of anxious attachment piece is part of the feeling like I need constant, I need reassurance. constant reassurance. Are you, you know, do you still want to be with me? Are you out the door or whatever? So mm-hmm. there's like, there's our little resource. Mm-hmm. Check out that book. I think that that might be just yeah, something absolutely. to add That's to the mix. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, let's talk about how do you know? Yes, I think the the first, the end of the email, which I think is really the crux of the problem, um, you know, the how long am I supposed to get my partner and their therapist and myself to course correct? I mm-hmm. really like the way she put that. I do too. But yeah, how do you know essentially when to say when, enough? Yeah, when to say enough? When is it just like we can't, I can't do the work and this is, mm-hmm. this is killing me here. And it, it reminded me of something, I don't know if we've talked about on the podcast before, but something a, a colleague um, had said to me, a fellow therapist had said to me that, you know, when it's enough work, when you don't want to do the work anymore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and <laughs> it sounds, you know, I think it, on its surface, it probably sounds dismissive, but in a way that's the only metric for deciding yeah whether or not a relationship is worth continuing to work on because, you know, we could each give you or anyone all sorts of theories and ideas about how to sort of know what your limit is and how to, to say like, Oh, this relationship is just isn't viable. Mm -hmm. But beyond sort of cases where there is, you know, clear abuse or neglect extreme neglect or something like that really or just sort of a really toxic very very unhealthy dynamic that's not shifting right right beyond that 
it's it's almost impossible to say whether or not someone ought be yes. in a relationship, ought stay in a relationship, mm-hmm. ought work on it. Yeah. Um. I but I think we've all had that sense. All of us who've been in relationships before have had that sense of I cannot do this anymore. I am I am done. Yeah. That feeling of just it's almost like being emptied out. Like everything yeah. just sort of goes mm-hmm. dry and you know there's nothing left for you to use to yeah. do the work on the relationship anymore. And when you've had that feeling, you're probably done. <laughs> you're probably done. That's probably the end. <laughs> you know, and I think, you know, a lot of times when especially when I'm working with, you know, a couple and they're trying to sort that out, I think that with that moment comes a certain amount of ambivalence mm-hmm. for a little while. And of then course. like just sort of learning how to sit with that and kind of asking yourself like this is how much work it you know really being honest this is how much work it would really take right and do I really want to do that work and if I do why do I want to do it and if I don't why don't I want to do it because I do think there are times where people feel particularly if there's a is if there's a pattern like or a history of people pleasing or trying to fix other people mm-hmm. that sometimes you want to stay and do the work longer right because it's about sort of feeding that old narrative of like, oh, but if I, if I do one, two, three and X, Y, Z, like I can help that fix them right. so that this works. Um, and so like, if you kind of clear through that, which it sounds like she's been doing that work with her individual therapist and then you go, I just don't want to do this anymore. And that, right. that's an okay thing. I think a lot of times we feel guilt, shame, some sense of failure, mm-hmm. some, you know, like sort of this other stuff that comes up. Like or I've it's invested not a, all of this time yeah. or energy or whatever. This like the sunk cost fallacy, yeah. essentially. Like I've put so much effort into it. It's got to work. And it's like, well, that's, that's not how it's, it's not a thing. It's not. It's a, not a thing at all, no. unfortunately. Right. So at some point it's like, are, how much more do you want to put in something that's never going to be different? Right. Um, when I think there, I think, and Possibly what she could be alluding to is trying to figure out if it actually can be different. Yeah. Because just because you have awareness of problems, it doesn't mean they're necessarily going to be fixed. Right. It doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to be better. Um, There's a degree of does the other person want it to be better? Do you want it to be better? But then there's also I I do think we are hmm, how to say this. We are bounded by ourselves. Mm-hmm. Like there is a certain degree of our history, our temperament, the needle to the needle for change is only going to move so far. Yeah. And I, that sounds, I think that sounds, it might sound <laughs> dispiriting or hopeless, which I don't see it as, as that. I, I see it as sort of being able to thrive within the boundaries of who we are. Yeah. And what we, yeah, what we're actually capable of doing and giving and sort of how we can show up. And I think for me, I always sort of, I feel like we need to hold the two things at the same time. So I totally agree. Like, I think there is, there is a limit to how, how far we can change. I like that. Like the needle can only go so far, but I also think we as humans have a tendency to underestimate our capacity for change. Mm-hmm. Um, we overestimate other people's capacity for change and right. underestimate our, our own. own. <laughs> which conveniently. Yes. Which, which can be <laughs> such a dynamic for also for staying stuck. Right. In terms of feeling like I can be so much different. 
or they can be so much different. And, but this is all I have, you know, and so we kind of stay waiting for people to like magically be something, be something else. Um, yeah. Instead of sort of acknowledging like, okay, here, like, here's the best I can get. And, and it's okay. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the answer is always okay. Like it's okay to be, to decide like maybe this has been too much time mm-hmm. um, and say I've done so much work and it's, yeah. and it hasn't gotten better or it doesn't seem, doesn't seem realistic to me that it's going to mm-hmm. be that this person is going to be what I need. Um, and, you know, two people with significant trauma backgrounds, that is a very hard, uh, that's a very hard structure Yes. You know, if some if someone in the relationship had a more secure attachment, it might kind of help balance out some of yeah. the. There um, becomes this sort of one person has a natural tendency to create a sense of safety that allows the other person to sort of really grow even further in creating their own sense of secure attachment. Um, but yeah, I think you're right. When there's when when you both people come to the table with significant trauma, I think that that's challenging. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not necessarily impossible. No. But it may be it may not be possible for them to have a healthy relationship, or at least not at this point. I think that's the other thing I want to talk about is like it might be that there's just individual work to be done. And sometimes you need to do your individual work alone. And I'm a huge proponent of I think we do some of our most important growth and change and like learn the most about ourselves in the context of a relationship. Sure. But that doesn't mean that that's always the best place. Right. And I think particularly with trauma, um, particularly with someone else who's also working on their trauma, sometimes it is helpful to be like, you know what? We need a break Mm -hmm. because we trigger each other. Mm -hmm. And so we're making the individual work harder than it has to be. Mm -hmm. I'm going to work on my stuff. You go work on your stuff. And then maybe, you know, if this relationship is kind of, you know, if it's meant to be or whatever, Mm -hmm. um, you know, then you try again from a place where you're both healthy or give yourself at least the space to make a decision about trying again from a place that feels a little bit healthier and a little bit more secure. And, you know, that's what I think. Yeah. Yeah. No, I I definitely think that that, because the thing is, if you are struggling with these, these issues and you keep triggering each other, you're damaging the relationship while you try to work on yourself, right? Like the relationship (laughs) is being damaged as you're trying to learn these processes that you need for yourself. Yeah. So if you have that space where you can step back, um, and maybe take some time, um, away from the relationship in some capacity or at least away from couples work. Yeah. It might actually be more helpful. Yeah. Um, like I sort of have this visual. It's like, it's like if the pot pipes in your bathroom are, you know, faulty and they're leaking and so you're working on it and it's a big project and you're replacing, you know, pieces here and there and you're finding new leaks and you're doing all like, you're doing really great stuff. You're fixing it. Right. But if every morning you get up and take a shower. Yeah. No. There's always stuff to, like, there's always this extra cleanup that has to happen. Right. That makes the work harder, harder, potentially less successful, but at the very least, harder and messier than if you were able to say, like, hey, we're just not going to shower in this bathroom anymore until we fix finish fixing the pipes. And exactly. then get in and do that work. And and that work goes faster. Right. Um, so hopefully. Hopefully that was helpful. Yeah. You know, typical therapist answer. It's never sort of like, oh, you know what? 
four just more weeks this. and then you're done. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't it be great if we could say that? I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> um, but yeah, hopefully that's helpful and, and maybe um, we'll, we'll put a link for attached in the mm-hmm. show notes. So you can kind of check that book out if you haven't heard of it or looked at it already, but yeah. um, and feel free to write us back with more questions or yeah. to criticize what we just right. said and tell us this trash is terrible trash answer not helpful <laughs> super right. awful exactly we 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 can take that we can take it yeah yeah <laughs> uh, that's yeah definitely um you know use the form send us your therapist problems we love getting emails yes we do we're like it was pretty exciting yeah we were both super yeah like probably. kids on christmas like, yeah <laughs> Probably inappropriately excited. We should talk about that. Do some, Esther and I will yeah. do some therapy on each other after. Yeah. We'll, <laughs> we'll therapeutize each other. Exactly. It'll be fine. We'll, we'll work on that really quickly. <laughs> Process that real quick. Why do you need emails from to, people to, to feel validate? validate. <laughs> uh, see, we're halfway there already. Oh, we are. We already, we're self-awareness. We already know what the problem is. All right. So as usual, don't forget to subscribe, rate, review, tell all your friends. Yes. Um, all of those good things. You can find us on iTunes and Stitcher and Google Play and I don't, wherever Just else you Just about find. everywhere. Everywhere. Anywhere you can find really great podcasts, we'll be there. Yep. And you can find me on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram at Esther B. MFT and... You can Erica's find, out there somewhere. Yeah, I'm I'm there. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram as E in Flats. Yes. And then if you want to come hang out with us in person, check out our new website, therapyisnotadirtyword.com. We've got all kinds of like happy hours all over the country. Yeah. So, you know, you can come by and like mm-hmm. tell us your therapist problem in, in person. person. Yeah. And meet our other therapist friends in other cities. Like it, it's a good time. So check that out as well. Yes, for sure. <laughs> all right. We'll see you the next episode. Bye now. What did you think of today's episode? If you're listening in the anchor.fm app, hit the button up at the top and leave us a message. You can also send us messages on Instagram or Twitter at EstherBMFT and at Ian Flats. You can send us your therapist problems, suggestions for read, listen, watch, or ideas for upcoming episodes. And with that being said, Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and of course, anchor.fm. Catch you in the next episode.